Well, hello there. My name is Derek, and um, just want to welcome all of you guys here today. I want to um, also welcome those who are tuning in with us online. So glad that you are joining us. We are in the middle of a series called The Justice Experience. And um, last week, we kicked off the series by um, really trying to get a look at what is God's heart around this justice issue? What does God think about it? And um, one of the things that we discovered last week was that justice isn't just something that's, um, that is on God's radar, so to speak, but justice is actually at the very heart of who God is. We looked at a scripture verse that said that our God is a God of justice. And so um, what we talked about last week was that um, if justice is such a big deal to God, it's part of who God is, then as those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, um, it has to be a big deal to us as well. And so we kind of left last week with this tension around, okay, we, it's a big deal to God. It's, it's got to be a big deal to us. What are we going to do? And we said that for the next three weeks, we are going to get really practical and uh, start to talk about, okay, what can we do? And so today we are going to look at one of those things that we can do. And um, that is pray. So You might be thinking, great, you're like the total pastor up here. What are we going to do? We've got 20 million plus people in slavery in the world today, and the big action item is pray. You might actually be thinking, prayer is something you do before you go do something. But in reality, this is the most important thing. It is the absolute first step for us, and that's what we are going to focus on today in the midst of of this tremendous injustice in the world and all of these men, women, and children who are in slavery, we absolutely have to pray for this situation. Now, if you're here this morning and you're like, you're overwhelmed just thinking about it. It's kind of like praying for world peace, you know? You're like, oh my goodness. Yeah, we can pray about that, but what good is that actually going to do? It's just so crazy. And maybe you've prayed in the past for justice issues and you've kind of given up, or maybe you've just never done it because it just seems so much bigger than any prayer that you can pray. Then I want to encourage you. I believe Jesus has some words for you today. We find them in the gospel of Luke. Luke was a physician who wrote an account of Jesus' life. And, um, We're going to look at the 18th chapter, starting in the first verse of some words of Jesus. And it starts this way. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Now, why did Jesus tell them this parable? What's going on with the disciples that Jesus would pick this time to say, you know what, now's a good time for me to kind of encourage them with this story about praying and, and not giving up. Well, you got to realize that this is uh, fairly late in Jesus' ministry at this point. The disciples have been with Jesus for a very long time. They've seen a lot of teaching. They've seen a lot of miracles. I mean, there's been some cool stuff that Jesus has done. But you have to remember the environments that Jesus was in. We talked about this last week. Jesus wasn't hanging out with the wealthy and those in positions of power and influence, was he? No. Jesus was hanging out on the margins of society. He was hanging out with those who were oppressed, those who were afflicted, those who were sick, those who were tremendously in need. He was hanging out with people in poverty, in desperate situations, okay? And did he heal a bunch of those people? Yes. Did he bring hope to a bunch of those people? Yes, he did. 
Did he leave a town and a whole bunch of people were excited and it was great and the disciples were excited about that? Of course. But you know what else? When he left those towns, you know what they were saying in those towns, right? They were begging him to stay. And everywhere he went, they say, please just stay for a few more days. There's more people to heal. There's, there's more people who need counsel and hope. We've, we've still got lots of problems here. And what would Jesus say? He'd say, sorry, but the Father's calling me. We got to keep moving on. There's many, many more towns that we have to go to. There's many, many more people that we've got to reach. So think about the disciples. So they were going where Jesus went all the time. So they were constantly seeing the need of the people. They were constantly seeing those people who were suffering the most. And they also were aware that at some point, Jesus was going to leave them and they were going to be tasked. Jesus had actually sent them out already two by two with mixed success in trying to continue on the work of Jesus. And so you imagine how day after day after day, it's cool to take a mission trip for like a week, but imagine three years. And so I read this and I think, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me that Jesus would tell them this parable because after a while, it's pretty overwhelming. Everywhere they went, there's constant need, constant injustice. And so this is the parable that he said, but it wasn't just for them. 2,000 years ago, I believe it's for all of us today who at any point we get overwhelmed when we think about the injustice, when we think about slavery and human trafficking, we, we think about how big it is and what po- good could it possibly do for us to pray. I believe these words are for us as well today. Let's take a look at what Jesus said. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. So this parable has two main characters. You've got a judge and you've got a widow. They couldn't be more different. The judge represents power and authority, but not just power and authority. He doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about people. So guess what? He is in a position of supreme power, supreme authority. He does whatever he wants. He's not moved by anybody. Then, on the other hand, the complete extreme opposite, you have a widow who 2,000 years ago, if you lost your husband, you lost your protector, and you lost your provider. You were in a position of great vulnerability, and you would need a man to come alongside you and provide those needs for you, okay? Very different time, ladies, 2,000 years ago than it is today. Thank God for today, right? And what we find out about this widow and all the hearers of this parable would have known immediately as they heard Jesus talk about this widow pleading to the judge as they would go, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Widows don't plead to judges. They would have known 2,000 years ago. Women don't belong in court. Testimony is not valid. Women don't go into the courtroom at all. There would be no pleading with a judge. You know what that means? This widow doesn't have a brother doesn't have an uncle, doesn't have a grown son, doesn't have her deceased husband's somebody who's a guy who can go in and plead with the judge for her, because that's how it would work. She is completely on her own. So what Jesus is saying, and his hearers would have immediately known, you have the judge in absolute power, 
and a widow in absolute powerlessness. And the widow, it makes sense now that we know she has nobody protecting her, that she's being oppressed. She's being victimized. And she's crying out to this judge for justice. Jesus continues, For some time, the judge refused. But finally, he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Okay, it's a pretty persistent widow. And what you see here, Jesus is saying, is that justice is granted from sheer dogged determination. Jesus continues, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? who cry out to him day and night. So don't miss this, because this is really the point of the parable. Jesus is saying, listen, if there's this unjust judge, and he could care less about this widow and her fate and what's happening to her, he could give a rip about her. And yet he sees that she gets justice just because she keeps crying out to him. Then how much more Will God, your heavenly Father, who made you, who loves you, how much more will God bring justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him? Jesus continues, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. So Jesus is unequivocally saying here, those who cry out for justice will receive it. And then just when you think Jesus is done with the parable and finished with that little teachable moment, he does this Jesus thing and he throws on a little something at the end that just throws you for a complete loop. And so he, he says this, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus is referencing his return. And basically what he's saying there, it's like a real zinger. He goes, okay, so if you pray, you cry out to God for justice, you'll receive it. So God's going to do his part. But the question is, are you going to do your part? Are you going to have faith? And I got to tell you, I'm not sure where you find yourself today with that whole faith thing. When you think about praying for something as big as slavery in the world and the eradication of it, not sure where you are in your faith, but I just have to be totally real with you guys. It's the only way I know how to be. This faith thing is a real struggle for me. And that may surprise you to see me up here as a pastor saying that, but it's true. When I think about something so big and so overwhelming, so complex as slavery and human trafficking, I think, you know, yeah, okay, I'm going to pray. But there's this little voice in the back of my head. Maybe you have this voice too. It goes, but what good is that really going to do? I mean, if God was going to do something, wouldn't God have done it already? <laughs> Haven't there been a lot of people already praying those prayers? What good is another prayer going to do? And if you kind of struggle to have faith to really pray 
I want to encourage you for a minute. Because I've found a way through my doubts on this issue. And I want to share it with you. It's actually very simple, but it's been profound for me. And that, for me, has been the words of Jesus. So we just read this parable, right? Jesus teaches. And what Jesus says here in this parable is, look, you cry out for justice, you will receive justice. So in the midst of the doubts that I have, in the midst of how it doesn't make sense to me, and how could that possibly be in this issue so far beyond what we can comprehend, I come back in faith and just say, you know what, but Jesus, you said this And I can believe it. And the reason that I can believe it, the reason I can cling to it and be confident with it is because there's a lot of people who have said a lot of things, right? There's only one person that I know of in the history of human civilization that has ever successfully predicted and pulled off his own death and resurrection. And that's Jesus. So if you know somebody who's done that, by the way, like predicted and pulled off their own death and resurrection, you need to listen to them, okay? Because they're probably divine, okay? I would say actually they are divine if they've done that. That proves that they are God. And so whatever they say, you need to listen. You need to follow them. You need to trust them. And so when Jesus says, even in the midst of our greatest doubts, Jesus says, you cry out for justice and I will answer you can take Jesus at his word because he has proven himself trustworthy. So that's what I do. I've asked our music team to, um, to help us out here with a song. And this song that they're going to play, is, it's called Give Me Faith. And there's a line in there that I just love. The line is, give me faith to trust what you say. And so what we're going to do uh, here in this room, and those of you online, just want you to encourage you to stay in your seat. And some of you will want to sing this song out as kind of a declaration of faith. Others of you are going to want to just kind of let these words wash over you. You're going to, you're going to want to bow your head. And you're going to want to pray. You're going to ask God, yes, give me that faith. Because what we're going to do after this song is we're going to enter into a time where we are going to not just talk about prayer. We're going to pray for some of this injustice. And so this is a time for us to just prepare our hearts and our minds and to, to muster the faith to actually go and tackle such an issue and approach the throne of God. So let's listen right now. So we um, partner with a couple of amazing organizations that are on the front lines of this fight against slavery in our world today. And um, what I want to do is to tell you a little bit about those organizations. And uh, we are going to pray for those organizations and some pressing needs that um, are going on right now. So I just want to encourage you that uh, when we enter into a time of prayer, you can just relax. Uh, You can pray right in your seat. Um, If you want to pray with like someone next to you that you know, you can pray quietly together. Um, But only if it's, you know, it's obviously going to happen. Don't start just, you know, coercing people in your section to do some sort of prayer thing. Um, You know, let's just, everybody just, let's try and be, just try and take it easy. We don't want to freak anybody out here. We just want to unite our hearts and our minds in prayer. Um, so um, I want to tell you about this uh, first organization that, um, that we partner with here at Grace. We've been uh, supporting for a number of years. 
Uh, many of you have heard of them. They're called International Justice Mission. They are the largest anti-slavery organization in the world today. And uh, IJM, as they're better known, uh, they go into places in the world where there's slavery running rampant. And they uh, work with the local authorities there. And they identify where there are uh, slave rings and they, um, they work with those authorities to free the slaves and to, uh, to prosecute and bring to justice those, uh, those criminals. And um, so they're, they're working all over the world. And it's really a, a, a privilege that we have them right in our backyard here in the Washington, D.C. area. That's where they're headquartered. And so I was talking to uh, one, of our, one of our contacts there. Her name is Tina. Talked to her a couple of days ago. And I asked her, I said, you know, we're going to be doing this uh, prayer service today. Um, how can we pray for the work of IJM? Like, what, what, uh, what would you have us pray for today? And she said, I'm so glad you asked. Um, if you, she said, if you could have everyone pray for... Um, there's 25 children in Africa, in Ghana, on Lake Volta, and there's a rescue operation that is imminent there. And so I said, sure, we'll be happy to do that. A um, little bit of background. So Lake Volta is the world's largest man-made lake by surface area, and um, it is um, a huge source of revenue for Ghana, and there's a massive fishing industry there, which is great. But on that huge lake, there are many, many, many children. And uh, yeah, there's some that are in a business with their parents and they're working together and all that stuff. But there's believed to be thousands of children who are on that lake who um, have been trafficked there. And they are slaves on that lake. And the majority of those children are under 10 years old. These children work on the lake hours before the sun rises until hours after the sun sets every day. Some days they eat, some days they don't. They suffer tremendously. Many of them die due to the conditions that they live in. And so, we have the opportunity to, um, to pray for a rescue operation that's going on. Um, they have, IJM has identified 25 children who are in this fishing trade. And the deal is that um, they're in the final stages of gathering all the evidence, identifying all the suspects and you know, everyone that's involved because they want to try and bring everybody to justice and send a message that this kind of thing can't happen anymore. But it's very complicated and it's very delicate because if you have one police officer who maybe gets a bribe or decides that they want to tip somebody off, or you get one investigator who's talking to some suspect or doing some undercover work, and somebody starts to get suspicious, then all of a sudden, what's going to happen is that those 25 kids are going to vanish immediately. They'll just go to a different part of the lake, they'll scatter, and the whole rescue is undermined. And so there's all these different parts that go into this thing, and Tina said, can you just pray for that? Can you pray for these final stages of this investigation and ultimately for the safe rescue that could happen any day? It could be happening today. The safe rescue of these 25 children. So what we're going to do is we're just going to spend the next couple of minutes 
right here in our seats or if you're online, just pray wherever you are. And we're going to lift up this whole situation. I've given you a slide that you can take a look at that'll help you to focus your prayers. So let's go ahead and pray now. Like that widow crying out for justice. God, we cry out to you right now. Our heavenly father who has made these children, who knows each of them by name, who loves them. Lord, we cry out on their behalf and we pray, God, that you would rescue them. We pray for their perpetrators. We pray, God, you'd break their hearts, that you'd lead them back to the right way to live this life. Lord, we pray for all the systems in Ghana, the justice system, the police system, all the authorities, God, that you would just raise up a system of justice so that things like this could not happen anymore. Lord, we pray for a cultural change, that you would lead it. We just pray for a mighty, mighty move of your spirit. In Christ's name, amen. So um, in addition to IJM, we have another partner organization that is also rescuing people from slavery, but they do it in a very different way. They, um, they actually rescue children from slavery by reaching them before they ever get into slavery. This organization, many of you have heard, it's Compassion International. And um, Compassion is very interesting because what they've realized and what we know now is that where slavery takes place is in the most impoverished places in our world. The places of extreme poverty, that's where things are so desperate that slavery just happens all the time. As you see, what happens is, and we can't even fathom this in our world. We can't even possibly, what I'm about to tell you, you can't even wrap your mind around what this is like, okay? I want you to imagine for a minute that you're in such poverty that you are not sure that you might not eat again for the whole rest of the week. And I want you to imagine for a second that you're a parent, and let's say you have six kids, and you cannot feed your children. That's how bad it is. And then I want you to imagine that you've had to bury one of your children from starvation. That's extreme poverty. That's where compassion is working. And the reason they're working there is because here's how this plays out. So you're a parent. You bury one of your children because they died of starvation. And you've got a couple of other children and they're going to be next. And then your oldest child is 11 years old. And there's someone who comes along from the city and they say, you know what, I'm from the city and your 11-year-old would do great working in a restaurant. They do work great working as a housekeeper. Now, they're not really going to work in the restaurant, are they? They're not really going to work 
as a housekeeper because that person is a recruiter, as they're called. They're a human trafficker. And they will say to this family, we can give you money and we can give your oldest child a better life and your family will have enough food to eat for a long period of time. And you know that oldest child, you know what they'll do? They'll actually say, let me go. I will go. I don't want to see my siblings die. I'm going to go. And as crazy as this is to fathom, parents, moms and dads will willingly sell their children into slavery because of the extreme poverty. They don't know what they're doing, but they do. It's just sheer desperation. And so here's how compassion works. And it's pretty brilliant, actually. Compassion goes into those communities, those of most extreme poverty, where people aren't eating. And they say, you know what? We're going to adopt this village. We're going to start a program here through the local church here. They always partner with local churches. And they say, we're going to have this local church do a program, and we're going to get kids into this program, and they're going to get sponsors like from back in the U.S. and other privileged countries. And so people like us, we did this last year actually at Grace, we did a Compassion Sunday. A number of you signed up, you sponsor a child through Compassion. And you'll actually write letters to your child and you'll send money to Compassion every month and that money goes to feed the children of that village and their families. It takes people out of extreme poverty and desperation. And then they also, the kids also get an education, they're in school. And it's a long-term holistic model where basically you're trying to see children all the way through until they finish high school. And you're trying to see them into the workforce to better themselves. It's a long-term view. But what they've found is they're transforming entire villages, literally are being transformed if you're in it to win it all the way through the long haul. And so... It's a really, really amazing thing. And just as a side note, if you've heard child sponsorship and you're like, oh my gosh, there's fraud and there's all this and it's a scam or whatever, I'm pretty sure that you haven't looked into it. I'm pretty sure that's just something you've heard and it's not true about Compassion International. I promise you that. I, I have two Compassion kids of my own and our youth just got back from visiting Guatemala where they went to see the kids that we've been sponsoring as a youth group and as in our Graceland Elementary programs, we write letters to our, our kids are partnered there, working with them. So if you're skeptical about this, you, you, gotta, you gotta do some research to make sure that you're not just throwing something out that's a beautiful thing. But I digress. So I was talking to the folks over at Compassion, I was talking to this guy, Scott, over at headquarters. And I said, we're gonna pray today. How can we pray for justice to be done for Compassion? And he reminded me of something that just happened a few months ago that some of you have probably heard about. So Compassion works in a number of impoverished countries, but by far the poorest country in the world is India. By far the country with the most slavery in the world today is India. And Compassion, that's their number one presence. They have more Compassion children in India than any other country in the world. 145,000 sponsored children through 589 church centers there. It's awesome. Well, some of you know that four months ago, the Indian government, feeling threatened 
by Christianity and evangelical organizations there, kind of in this desire to become more of a 100% Hindu state, decided it was time to kick out all the evangelical Christian organizations. And um, so back in March of this year, compassion was cut off from those 145,000 children and those churches there. And so Scott down at Compassion just said, you know what? Would you guys just pray with us? Just pray with us that God would make a way. He said, you know, Derek, Compassion's gonna be fine. He said, Compassion, man, we're a big organization. We roll on. We had a hundred and some thousand children waiting to be sponsored in other countries. We've redirected those sponsors there. Compassion's fine. He said, but India's not. He said, <laughs> those 145,000 kids, they're going back to that extreme poverty. They're going back and now they're gonna be seeing recruiters. That temptation for that different life that they need to be able to eat is gonna be so real. He said, would you just pray that God would make a way for us to reconnect with those kids in India. So we're gonna take the next couple of minutes and we're gonna do just that. We're gonna pray that God would make a way. So wherever you are right now, just let's take a moment to pray. Lord Jesus, your words, you said, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? who cry out to him day and night. God, we join all those who are crying out to you. We know those 145,000 sponsors have been praying. We know that the whole compassion team has been praying. We join with those prayers. And we pray, God, for all those kids. God, we pray for the talks that are taking place with the Indian government. And we take heart in the fact, God, that the same thing happened in Indonesia a number of years ago with compassion getting kicked out. And there was such an outcry, God, as you know, that compassion was invited back in. God, we just pray for that outcry. But however you wanna do it, God, we just pray that you would make a way where right now there is no way. We pray that you would move. We lift up every single one of those children and we pray, God, that you would sustain them, that you'd protect them from evil hands that are trying to get them and you would see them through to the life that you've intended them to have. And God, this whole issue of slavery, 20 some million people around this world who right now are trapped, they're suffering, they're oppressed, they're not free. We pray God that you would visit with them right now and that you would lift them up, that you'd sustain them and that you would strengthen every organization and every person who is working for their freedom and for the justice that they deserve. 
We pray for a mighty move of your hand. And Lord, for those of us in this room, those online, we pray, God, that you would give us faith to keep praying. Don't let these words of this parable slip from our minds, God. But let us keep crying out on the behalf of those who don't have nearly what we have. The least we can do is just pray for them, God. And lead us in these next couple of weeks as we push into what else we can do. But let us start with prayer. Let us start with us. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.